0: parenting's hard you don't know what to do you're blaming your kids but it's probably you you love your kids and
1: that you can trust
0: just remember your kids
1: don't suck welcome to your kids don't suck cultivating closeness with your children through non-coercive conscious parenting we're your hosts Kara tedstone and Ruthia lee let's dive in and grow together
0: Today, we're going to talk about obedience, obedience, and I've been thinking about what does that mean? I was even thinking, Kara, that maybe we want to look up a definition of obedience.
1: Yeah. You want me to do that? Sure. have to learn how to spell it first. (laughs) Hee (laughs) hee. Okay. Obedience from dictionary.com. Compliance with an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. Oh, that's perfect.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I, I, instead of like trying to talk about this in any kind of coherent way, I thought we could just brainstorm together, like what, what we want to get into, like almost like an outline or just like what your thoughts are about it. Cause I was thinking about it this morning that it's, um,
1: it's about fear. Yeah. Like, fear-based exactly.
0: parenting, fear-based, yeah. Fear-based parenting. Yes. And the, and the parents really honest belief that if they get their children to behave a certain way that that they're helping their children to be functional people in the future
1: mm-hmm. i
0: believe parents really think that that is true that if they can get their child to be polite to not make a mess to clean up after themselves to like dress themselves and be do good in school and you know, have friends and um, you know, be high achievers. I don't know, all the things, yeah, that they will then be, actually be happy and they will be safe. Yeah, and so much of parenting is about obedience. Well, there's this thing that Vivek always talks about where he says that parents don't realize when they're being coercive that they're actually creating the exact opposite of what they say they want. Um, that's his like whole thing is to take coercion apart so you can see that it actually doesn't make sense what you're doing if you truly want to have closeness with your kid. And it's something about fear. You know, because once your child is relating to you as someone to be scared of, that starts to undermine their entire sense of self like deeply in terms of attachment. Like it starts to undermine their trust in their own decisions because they actually have to be working on their survival all the time. Once they're scared of you, that's going to take precedence is trying to survive with the parent because the parent can now punish them or withdraw their love or approval or punish them or, you know what I mean? Like once that's happening, instead of the child using all the energy to tune into their own truth and their own boundaries and their own forms of expression, they're having to attend to the parents. And that that's going to be what they're going to be developing as they grow up. A whole people-pleasing, controlling externals right. experience. I was thinking about how people say no to toddlers all the time. Right. Don't open that door. No, we don't play with that put that down. Don't put your hands in there. Hey, 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 come back over here. That's hot. That's dirty. You know, <laughs> and yeah. then yucky um, that's coercion. <laughs>
1: and yeah. Then they,
0: and then I was like, but what would the opposite be? Like if I had to do a video of the opposite, well, it would be I'm going to put like actually things on the cabinet so they're closed so I don't actually have to say no all day.
1: Yeah. Um, Baby proofing the house and letting them have yeah. the range of whatever is there. Another yeah, thing. Yeah, and
0: was- then also letting them take all the shit out of a cabinet. Like yeah. the safe. Like, who the fuck cares?
1: And the um the cat treats is a story. Aliyah has never once put a cat treat in her mouth. Oh. Huh. Not one time. Um, because she is very cautious, probably by nature. I don't take credit for her, you know, not shoving every single thing into her mouth, but she does put a lot of other things into her mouth. So it's interesting. The cat treats, though, we were talking about it, me and Sanjay, we were kind of laughing about it because like, we've never told her, no, don't put that in your mouth or like, don't eat that. Those, you know, we've never said that. I've just, I've just included her in giving the cats treats with me since she was a little baby. Like since she was really, really tiny, like I'd have her in my arm and we'd give the cats treats together. And, you know, if she got one in her mouth, I would probably have a little bit of anxiety about it. I'd be worried that like, maybe she could inhale it because they could potentially be a choking hazard, but we have always given the cats the treats together. And I've always just said like, "Mm, yummy for the cats. Like Stella likes the cat treats. And like, maybe if we put one next to her, she'll eat it. And like, we can give it to Kiwi and oh, he's sniffing it. And like, it's a big deal. Like it's a long game, I guess. It's a playful thing. And we were just remarking on that the other day, you know, she has never once even attempted to give the cats treats to herself because as soon as she sees them, she knows that they're for them. And they are also just that she has free access to them. Like they're just on the floor or they're in the toy or they're in the shaker thing that we give the cats. And she just always gives them to them and doesn't really think about it. I don't think it's not off limits, you know, it's not enticing for her to like try to get into. And I feel like that's kind of how our house is like with everything. Like we've, we don't really tell her, no, I have this like cabinet file here that she gets into when she comes upstairs to my office, she gets into it all the time. I don't tell her, don't touch it. I just put it back. I <laughs> Just like, Later. Like, I'll just, she'll just play with it for a second. And then when she's done, I just, like, put it back. You're making me realize this whole idea
0: that I learned when I first started doing non-coercion. Um, that Vivek taught me. Vivek Patel taught me. That children will use anything and certain things to, um uh, what sort the claim their autonomy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll use food, they'll use screens, they'll use whatever to say, you can't control me. Yeah, use all kinds of things. You know, I'm going to say something kind of weird, but like I was working with on my in one of my groups, someone had a a child who wouldn't she wouldn't poop. Hmm. Yeah, that happens a lot. She would hold her poop. Yeah, And I was explaining that she must feel really, really controlled because she needs to find something that she has control over. And that's the best she can do. She's a little kid, like a four-year-old. And kids will find things. And they'll even do things that really bother the parents because they're just trying to show, I I have some power. I have some power. I have a little bit of power. It's funny. me Me and Tori were talking about something last night. We were in the bathroom. I get really, really triggered at night. That's just the theme you're going to learn. If you're listening to these podcasts, my daughter won't go to sleep by herself, but it's too scary for her, but then she also won't go to sleep. So I stay up with her trying to get her into the damn bed. I mean, it's like, it's like the theme of our lives. And last night we were up till one, we were up to no, probably one thirty. Can you believe that? It used to be midnight. Now it's starting to be later and later and later. And I start losing my absolute mind. Yeah. And my partner has to go to bed early because he gets up at five in the morning because he works at a school. So it's me late at night trying to be non-coercive. Anyway, so um, we were in the bathroom and I said something like, and you keep me up and you keep me up. Like, it's so hard because then you keep me up so late. And Will says from outside, you choose to stay up this late. Right. And she goes, he said, and she says, he says, you choose to, what does he mean? I am like, well, I, honestly, I have all the power. I'm acting like a victim right now. I'm acting like you're forcing me to do this. But the truth is I have all the power in our relationship. And she goes, oh, okay. And then she goes, but you know, I do feel really bad, mom. Cause I do feel like I do keep you up every night. And then we got in bed that night. She goes, I feel so bad that I can't get to bed earlier. Mom, I, I'm sorry that I do this. She was so empathetic and this is very new that in the last I don't know six months to a year my daughter has empathy for me in a huge way it blows my mind and she said I I try and I just can't do it I said well I think you might have ADHD I think this might be part of your ADHD at about 11 o'clock at night you just start bouncing off the walls and you start having great ideas about everything I understand and she said I think I need to turn my phone off so this my child is almost 12 think about this She says, I think I need to turn my phone off by like 10 and then come upstairs because she also wants to go to school in the fall. So she wants to start practicing going to sleep early. Everything I'm saying that she's saying is from her. Do you realize that Mm -hmm. she's brainstorming how she can go to bed early? She also sees that it's, it's affecting me in a way that doesn't feel good to me. She also, as she got in bed, she goes, mom. I don't eat breakfast early enough, and I I feel like I don't eat like I sometimes I don't eat till one, and that does not feel good. And I'm like, do you want me to help you with that? She goes, yes. I you know I do try to feed her, but a lot of times, long story, she doesn't get it in her mouth until one o'clock or something. I said I will really work on getting you your breakfast earlier earlier, and blah, blah 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 blah. And then this is all initiated from her, and that might not sound like people think, oh, you must just have a naturally communicative easy kid. That is not what is happening. It's that, it's that all this work I've done to let go of controls is coming into fruition now where she can think about her well-being and she can think about her habits. And she, you know, she's been eating, she's been drinking Starbucks for the last two or three years, a lot. And she recently decided it doesn't feel good. She doesn't want to have it anymore. She decided that not me. And people don't understand that if I had been controlling all these things, we would just be in power struggles all the time, and our relationship would be that. Yeah. And so, because I haven't focused on obedience, I've focused in on collaboration, communication, feelings, emotion, giving her great attention. Getting therapy for myself, working with my partner on my own stuff. There's there's room for like brainstorming together, and it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite of obedience.
1: Yeah. And what's hard for me is to explain that. I think when it it comes to working with younger children, that you can still embody that in a younger like, relationship mm. with a younger child because you can but it, it just often does look just a lot more playful because your younger child is maybe having a tantrum or having big feelings and you're obviously not going to be able to negotiate or collaborate in that way and hear from your child that, you know, they are considering your perspective. It's obviously very parent led the communication, you know, so- when they're little when they're really young, you know? So explaining how to do that um, from my, in my approach, like I find it hard to articulate exactly what that looks like. Like how to show through my just words, like talking about it. It's hard for me to explain how I do that day to day with Aaliyah, but that's- Can I ask you some
0: questions?
1: Yeah. When you,
0: you, so the hardest thing for you is that there's like a demand all the time. Yes. Like this. Mama, give me
1: this. Pick me up.
0: Uh, yeah. Eat, me eat, eat,
1: eat, eat all day. Eat. Okay. And so you just make her food all day. I want to say yes and no. <laughs> Cause yeah, I do make her a lot of food. It's not like I, I don't, I'm not one of the parents who say like, well, we have breakfast now and then we have a snack and then we have lunch and then we have a snack and then we have dinner and then you have snack and you go to bed. That's <laughs> ideal. I think that's a great eating schedule and works for a lot of families. I tried to do that with my young child, but we also did baby led weaning. So she was eating what we were eating and I was just making her adult food, not giving her like purees and stuff. And it was not happening. It just wasn't happening as soon as she could communicate by basically getting over to the fridge or the cupboard to tell me she wanted more food. That's what she was doing Mm
0: -hmm. from
1: like as young as like seven, eight months. Like she'd crawl Mm -hmm. over there and she would just point at it. And she was telling me eat like that's, that's what was happening. And I felt like I wasn't being, I felt like I wasn't being very, um, not just responsive, but like honoring of potentially her appetite. If I was going to reject, like, if I was going to say, no, honey, like you can eat in an hour, that really didn't feel right to me. And like, I have a fear that, as I say that people are going to think I'm ridiculous. Cause it's literally like just an hour, you know, I'm with you.
0: I think that when kids want to eat, they should be able to eat. That's just so you know where I'm at.
1: Yeah, no, I know. Um... Um, but that's kind of like if if listeners are thinking that like, I hear you also, I kind of hear where people are coming from when they say even some feeding experts that I follow on Instagram, whatever these um, pediatric feeding experts, however, they're trained, maybe occupational therapists, but, you know, they'll say like feeding schedules are really helpful. But it just you just got to trust me. It wasn't working for Aaliyah. It really wasn't because it would be it would be incessant demanding. I genuinely was worried that if I didn't feed her she'd be starving for the next hour how could I know you know so I had this this was my fear was that I was going to be like withholding food from her and I felt really sad about it I was like no it's it's a real it's a real shame like I don't want to deny her the poor baby of food so now it's just always well been like,
0: but also also what about teaching your child that they get an impulse to be hungry and they get
1: food like exactly I don't that was the other it. part of it too was like I definitely mm. want her to eat intuitively so for me to hold all the power with like the access literally to the food, I mean, it's not like, I like, guess I could put up snacks at her, like I've tried this, putting out snacks at her level for her to grab at. Sometimes she wants something else. There are ways for us to kind of collaborate around that. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I basically try to honor her. Like when she asks for food, I don't, I, I might say like, baby, I just got my coffee. Like we, cause we just had breakfast. I just got my coffee and just sat down like can I'm gonna take ten minutes and then I'll get you something to eat, right? Like I'll, I'll set like some of my own boundaries. How does that go? How does that go? It, it's hit or miss. It's mm-hmm. hit or miss. Sometimes she's totally cool with it, and now she's uh, almost nineteen months, so she can communicate a lot better than she could obviously several months ago. Now she'll she'll nod and she'll go yeah yeah, and then she'll go off and play. <laughs> You know, or sometimes I'll even use a timer because she just loves this timer that we have. That's and I'll so it. great. Yeah. And I'll say, baby, you know what? We just had <laughs> breakfast and she's eaten a lot. It's not like she refused because if she refused, then I'm not a mom that's like, no, you eat what you eat and nothing else. Like I will provide plenty of options for her. So I, I make sure that she's eaten something. She asks maybe a few minutes later and I'll set a timer. I'll say, baby, you know, we just ate. Mommy really needs a break. <laughs> mommy's back hurts or something. And I'll tell her that. And I'll say like, mommy's neck hurts. I'm just going to finish my coffee and then I'm going to, and I'll set the timer. How about that? 15 minutes, 10 minutes. And she'll be like, yeah, and I'll do that. And I'll be like, when the beep goes off, I'll get you another snack. But yeah, I, I guess what I'm getting at is like in the non-coercive approach that I take with her, I wouldn't just say, no, we only have snacks at this time because that doesn't work for her. I did try that because I don't think there's anything inherently really wrong with that. Like if your kid does well. Like I have a friend whose son does great with a schedule of eating. He doesn't ask for snacks between. He just doesn't, he's not interested. My daughter is extremely hungry (laughs) all the time. And so that's what we do is I kind of just have to set my own boundary, my own boundary being what I control inside of myself. You know, not telling her, baby, stop asking. I need you to go play with your toys now. That would be like a coercive thing. Like, Like, let me tell you what to do Instead right. of saying, baby, I'm going to have my coffee now and in 10 minutes or 15 minutes, or I might give her some options just so she can feel like she's choosing, um, then I'll definitely get you a snack. I'd love to help you. It's kind of like in the video that you made, you know, with the, um. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just in the middle of something, you know, in 20 minutes, does that sound good? And your kid's like, yeah. It's like I'm well, it's about many- yes,
0: it's about finding a yes. Yeah, it's
1: finding a yes because sometimes I actually feel like I literally cannot. Like I just sat down, like I many mornings like this where I'm completely on my own with her for hours before our caregiver comes, and it's it feels incessant. It really does. It feels like she's saying eat actually. Probably she is saying it every five minutes. Like that's not an exaggeration. And sometimes I feel like I'm gonna burst into tears if I have to get her another. Snack. Like, I just can't. I haven't even eaten myself. It's like I have to tell her, you know, I just, I just can't right now. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to eat my own breakfast first and I'll sh- happily share my toast with you. But like, I'm going to be sitting on the couch right now for the next 10 and I can set a time, refer a time that, you know, works for me. But that's what I feel like I do when it comes to non coercion and setting boundaries. I don't try to control her. I just tell her what I, yeah, like finding the yes. Like, how can I meet her need, but also my need and set my own boundary within myself I just look to myself and my behavior is not hers
0: well I want you to know that that a lot of parents would take that and make that coercive what you just said
1: I know that's why I I haven't really they would say well yes I'm
0: setting my boundary when I say I'm not driving you there today or I'm not going to give you food or I'm that's my boundary I don't feel like making right now or I don't feel like uh, staying up with you or you know most parents say boundaries are their own controlling themselves but they're not aware of the power dynamic or the power differential
1: yeah that's what oh. we should say more about because that's why i kind of <laughs> hesitate to use even the word boundary because i feel like it gets misconstrued i don't use that um as a way to then just like shut her up or never help her out or never get her you know i don't i basically don't use that as a way to control the situation i still honor that that she has a, a request or a need or she need wants right me. Right. And I try to meet that as well. Like that's where I go with it. Then I do set the boundary and say like, baby, I need to have my coffee. Like I really need to sit down or I just need to do this or I need to finish this dish or I need to whatever. And if she has feelings about that, then, you know, she has feelings about it and I'm working on being okay with that. Um, But I don't use that as like a well, I said no. Sorry, baby. That's it. That's the end of it. Stop crying and leave. Right. The right. It's like, a, oh right. wow, yeah. That's really. It was really hard for you to wait. Like maybe you know, five minutes, or we try to collaborate on a on a solution that then gets her with the yes at the end. Yeah, but it's it's hard to talk about because I hear people even as I'm saying that I hear people kind of coming at me with, um, well, you can't always say yes to your kid. They need to learn no. You can't just always. Well, also, people- right? People say you. You know, the world is
0: full of right. no's you have to train your child to be able to cope with no like you're just spoiling your child and yeah you're just creating entitled brats this is what everybody says about non-coercion i think i think when people say that see i can say that in the beginning when your child's littler you're you are trying to find yes as much as possible because you want your child to feel they have power they have choice they have possibilities they're not hemmed in when they're in your home and when they're with you and when they're in a relationship with you because life is full of no's and they will interface with no constantly in their lives, constantly. They're going to want things they can't have. They're going to want people to treat them ways that they don't treat them. They're going to want, they're, they want to live somewhere they can't live. They want whatever. They want their room to be a different room. I mean, life is full of no's and you want your relationship to have as much yes as possible. And And I think if you don't, like I think I'm learning now that non-coercive conscious collaborative parenting is a very long arc because yeah. all that all that I worked so hard practically killed myself to stay open to with her and say yes to now I can see why that was useful. So I feel like you, you pay up front, Kara, I want to tell you that like in the beginning, when it's so so hard, and you feel like you're being controlled by your kid and manipulated, and you're having to give yourself up and sacrifice so much later, that's going to what that's going to turn into, as far as I've seen with my kid and a couple of my other friends and Vivek, and you know, is that eventually your child and you your child will start to really care about you as much as you care about them. Because if you model care, consideration, empowerment, they start to return that and it becomes an exchange. You can negotiate lots of your needs as your child becomes a teenager.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what is hard for me to find ways of like really backing up because my kid is so young and right now it just looks, I think to everybody, like I'm being controlled by her, like you said, like she just bosses around. Yes. Um, yes. But it's not that simple. Like I have to say, it's really not that simple. It's not that I'm just sitting back and being like, well, whatever Aaliyah says I have to do. That's just not what's going on internally for me. Part of it is like definitely a self-sacrifice. Yes. I definitely am putting our relationship first as you know, we do in non-coercion, but it's really not just that simple either. There's a lot in there that I have to internally kind of figure out like i'm not just sitting there and saying even when i really don't want to right like with the eat thing or whatever the demand is if i really really don't want to i shouldn't do that with her because i'm going to be resentful and i'm going to be pissed off and i know myself i will get angry you know i won't explode at her i'm not an explosive parent but i am an internally ragey person I will definitely be mad at my daughter if I go in like for example, we have a basement playroom. She wants to go downstairs and I like again just sat down or something after like literally not sitting down all morning and kind of going with every single decision she wants to make. Right. I I go down to the basement and sit on the cold hard floor and play for another 20 minutes. I'm so mad. I'm gonna be so mad. The play is gonna be fake, it's gonna be inauthentic. I'm gonna be like you know, robot mommy, like I put on my robot yeah. mommy mask and I'm like, Oh, eat, eat, like play, play, play. But I actually inside I'm pissed and I'm about to like cry. Cause I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I try not to do that. I try to get really <clears throat> tuned into what it is I need. And from there, I will set the boundary that meets my needs, but then also hers. So for the basement thing, not right now, baby, I really just want to eat my toast and I'll set a timer or whatever it is, right? Maybe we could watch a show together or something. Like I'll give her like a different option where she gets the connection, mm-hmm. sit next mm-hmm. to me. Another one I use is sit next to me. She wants to climb on me. Sometimes I just can't, I can't handle it. I'm touched out. Um, I, it's too much. It hurts my stomach. Like I'm just over it. I will say to her, instead of letting her just climb all over me and then getting resentful and snapping later, I will just say, baby, just sit next to me. You can sit right next to me and we'll do a big cuddle and I'll sit next to you and I'll drink my coffee. And she'll do that. She'll sit right next to me. She has no problem because I know it's always the connection she's seeking. Mm-hmm. So I've learned this through like trial and error and 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 through failing and through failing, you know, that if I just figure out what it is she needs, it's always connection at a young age. Like it's always connection. Yes, there's like hung, like the basic needs, hungry, tired, blah, blah. But also when it's like the the pulling on me and the demands, like I know she just wants mommy's attention and connection.
0: It's really nice that you explain to her what you're doing from a really genuine, I'm a whole person and this is what I need right now. And, you know, um, when kids have autonomy, when they have some power that you have honored their power, they will have a lot more room for that.
1: Yeah. Well, I noticed a lot in, in her peers, parents who just say no to their kid all the time. I can just kind of see this difference. Like, it's very clear to me when there's a young child and a parent saying like, no, don't do that. Stop what you're doing. Come over here. Stay here, please. And it's more directional and it's more like about behavior. For example, like they're like, she sometimes says bye to people before they've left our house because she wants them to go because she wants just our time. And I'll mm-hmm. say like, oh, maybe they're going to stay a few more minutes, but like you and I can play together while they're here. Mm. You know, I'm not saying, yeah, let's kick them out. Okay, time to go guys. Like Aaliyah wants you to leave. Like, yeah, it's, it's her want that, that she, she's done with the company and um, wants her mommy time, but she can't just mm-hmm. have her mommy time in that moment because our friends are still over. Right. So I have to explain to her just from like a very, I, I, I try to be just um, an equal, like she's my equal. And I'm just saying like, oh yeah, they're still here. I know you want them to go. I see you waving by, and they are going to leave yeah. really soon. And so while they're here, maybe we could make some cupcakes like with her toys or do whatever. Right together like we can get a snack together Mm -hmm. Um, she could have a sip of my water like I'll just try to connect with her in that moment and talk to her I'll always bring my attention back to her I don't like change the environment or, or get up from what I'm doing constantly to meet her I just really try to put our relationship first and our connection first
0: I'm, I feel like the word boundary is really charged and confusing. Yeah. Because in some of what some of what we say with non-coercion is no no boundaries, no limits, which is really, really triggering for everybody. And then everyone's like, well, that's just fucking insane. Well, do you
1: think that's even like that's true? Just...
0: Well, is it true? It's just that people use the word boundary and limits to be coercive. That's the main way people that's are right. coercive. Yeah, I, I so agree. That's why I'm so like- if we use it at all, they'll be like, Oh yeah, right. I'm just making a boundary when I say you yeah. you have to do this, you have to do that, or I, I, I won't do this, I won't do that. Can I say one thing? Like I'm I'm trying to in hearing you, I'm trying to say when Will yelled when he said she's not forcing you. Right. Yeah. Last night we stayed up till at least twelve thirty, maybe one. And guess what we were doing? We were playing Uno. And there's these moments. Luckily, I'd taken a nap. So I'd taken a nap. So I was resourced. I was like, okay, I can do this because I slept for 45 minutes earlier. So I was, I had it in me. But there are these moments where I have to decide what's more important. It happens all the time. Yeah. What is more important? Is it more important for me to go to sleep and get eight hours of sleep? Or is it more important to play Uno with my kid and really have fun? And I really sit there and try to decide because she's really asking for something she has no power in her life she can't get in the car or go anywhere or like you know what I mean? she she has no money she yeah. she has yeah. no power yeah and she wants to play uno so if you put that in a context if you put right. her wanting to play uno and my partner was up also on the three of us had like the funnest game of uno and it's these moments where i know that she'll be grown one day and she won't live with me And I won't get to play Uno with her at one in the fucking morning when I have to work the next day. And I could have come down hard on her, done so many other things, but I can, I can zoom out and see that this is a precious moment and I'm choosing it. She's not making me, I'm choosing it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's someone else might say, well, what would you do if you decided it wasn't worth it? You don't want to stay up to one in the morning and play Uno. Then I'd have to explain that to her and we'd have to like really brainstorm together. I'd be like sweetheart like oh you know what last night i finally started losing my shit i really did and i had to i had to have will take over i said i'm gonna go rest will's gonna help you get in your pajamas and and then when you're right before you go to sleep come get me so it, that's so i did i tapped out i have the ability to tap out oh my god i mean now will's not around all the time but things like that i've i've found some like sometimes i'll say to her i I'm going to go take a break and I'll be back in 15 minutes and I will time it like you do, even though she's 12.
1: Right. Well, yeah, I'm thinking about that word boundaries again. Cause um, it's not like, it's like you're set, you're saying I need a break for me, but then you're not just being like, I'm shutting the door now, figure it out. Good night. Right. Yes. And tonight, tonight we have decided
0: We're going to try to turn off our phones at 10 and we're really going to try to be in bed by 11. Together. I also like in the long game, we're not going to stay up and play Uno every night. Like, just so you know, listeners, I'm not saying I've given up my whole sleep and well-being for my daughter. Uh, It's just that it's a long game. We're going to work on it now together because she went to to bed earlier, too.
1: Well, so, yeah, just to like kind of go back to the word boundary then. Like you said, Ruthia, people are going to try to take that and say, well, Kara and Ruthia in non-coercion are talking about boundaries when they, when they're saying, setting their boundaries for themselves, that means that I can do that and not control my kid. And so I'm doing non-coercion. But I think what's missing from just that explanation is then you go and collaborate on a solution to get both of your needs met together. Right? Yes. Just to be clear again. And I, I'm sure we've said it a million times. It's kind of like the non-coercion part is maybe like that's one thing. But then there's the collaboration, which is such we have to have such an emphasis on that, because in my way, I'm not saying, baby, no, not right now. I'm not doing that. Deal with it. And like having her have her feelings. I could probably do that really gently, too. I could say, baby, no, not right now. If you cry, you cry. Like, I- I'm here. I- I'm here. It's okay to cry. It's okay. Well, but that's I'm not just doing. Fair that's gentle parenting right yeah yes, that's yes. that's like really that's definitely out there and really um common but that's not what i'm doing cuz i'm taking it then to the collaboration place to try to figure out how to meet her need i can't always do it i don't i'm not a perfect parent i don't always collaborate sometimes i feel like i'm actually at zero and sometimes i'll do the classic gentle parenting thing where i'm just like no no sorry i know you're sad i mean i don't know if i I don't think I've ever really just stopped with that, but it's hard for me then to do the collaboration is what I'll say. Like, I don't always succeed in like figuring it out with her. Sometimes I end up just, she just has a tantrum and I'm just there with her. And I'm sometimes I cry too. Cause I feel like there's also,
0: I can't, there's a lot like I have a lot of, I can't, I'm like, you know, like this, I was leaving to come here and she was having a play date and they wanted me to play with them. And I said, I'm so sorry, honey. I can't, I'm going to go do my podcast. And I, you know, that's it. That's just that I can't. There's a lot so then, of I can't. So well, I that I just want to say, Kara. Yeah. Because there is a lot of I can'ts, which most parents would just arbitrarily say I can't. Right. I have really, I have really broken this down to see when I really can't. Yes. Okay. So then there's the I can't, and then there's the other thing about collaboration you're collaborating with someone who has none of the power you got like that's what parents really need to get yeah you're collaborating with someone who has no chips to use they have no hand that they can play if they're just your child is completely relying on your generosity to see them as an equal to to for them to experience their power and experience their autonomy that's what you, that's how you can show up. So then they can, so I kind of feel like we should give examples of our children really taking that and running with that. Cause I see it every day. My daughter, my
1: daughter is
0: so empowered. It's incredible. It's like nothing I've ever seen before.
1: Well, yeah. In, in what ways, what ways are you seeing that now?
0: Well, I guess I want to talk about the conversation Tori and I had about creepy people. Yeah. You know, She we often talk. So this terrible late night thing where she tortures me and makes me stay up till one in the morning is also the time where she tells me everything. So I'm very torn about trying to change it. But anyway, one of our late night talks, she said she had just been on this retreat dance retreat with her dad where there's tons of people dancing and she had a great time. And she said, you know what? I just find all the men creepy. And I said, oh, what does that mean? Tell me more like a lot of enthusiasm let's talk about that you know so we had we talked for a long time um and it became really clear that it start she's starting to have that age where men are looking at her and objectifying her And that's new. And she's naming it as creepiness. So then we broke that down. What does creepy feel like in your body? Well, it just does. It feels yucky. Like I want to get away from the person. Well, that's why I was explaining when people are walking over your boundaries and how invasive it is to someone look at your body like an object, how yucky that feels to everyone and anyone, no matter what your gender is. And we talked about how girls can be creepy. We talked about how friends can be creepy. We talked about how I, you know, am I ever creepy? Like I put myself in there with it, you know? She doesn't, she doesn't experience me that way. But I said, sometimes I don't listen to your body boundaries. And I, you know, I hug you when you said, no, I didn't listen soon enough. You know, we really, really broke it down. And she talked about there's certain people in our community that she avoids because she doesn't, they just, their energy just doesn't feel good. Mm. We actually went through all the people we could think of that we both find creepy. Some of them I don't find creepy. Some she does. Uh, My friend also brought up neurodiversity that sometimes, sometimes people can seem quote-unquote creepy when they're actually just don't not reading social cues right so i want to talk to her about that because i don't want it to get categorized in a certain you know that differences are creepy you know what i mean right but at the same time after we had this conversation she was so upset that people objectify she couldn't even stand me to use that word objectifying i was like explaining her what that means oh she was like ew oh oh i don't like to think about that right i'm like i I was like, I know it's really gross. And I'm so sorry that we have to talk about this. Oh, I'm yeah. so yeah. sorry. Yeah, this is gross. And it would be gross at any age, but when 11, you feel unprotected and you're just mm-hmm. learning what that energy is when someone's looking. you she said, she said, sometimes someone's looking at me and they're staring at me and I don't know why. Or yeah. sometimes someone will tell me I'm beautiful and I'm supposed to feel like that's good, but it makes me feel bad. Yeah. So we talked for like, I don't know, 45 minutes with my 11 year old daughter And at the end, she goes, this was a very hard conversation, mom, but it was it was really needed. And I'm like, yes, it was very needed. I felt so relieved. I felt a million times relieved because I'm always so scared that someone's going to hurt her. Obviously, I'm terrified of her getting taken advantage of. And every time we have a talk like this, I'm like, okay, she's listening to her body. She's telling me she's asking me she's taking in my opinion. And this is where I thought you and I. Kara could talk about our childhoods because what happened to me because my parents were so controlling was I literally stopped telling them anything and everything and a million secrets um I had a whole life that was separate from them they never knew about I tried drugs I was I got sexually abused by all these people that they never knew about I was I mean I was in really unsafe situations all the time I mean I was totally unprotected because I couldn't trust them I couldn't tell them anything I was going to get punished if I told them things. I mean, so I basically had to create at a young age, a completely separate secret life, which is just Mm -hmm. sick and terrible. Yeah. And that's what happens when a child feels controlled and scared of you. They have to create a separate world from you to feel safe. And then they have to test it out and try shit. And then they can't even tell you what happened because they're going to get in trouble. So like, that's, that's what's wrong with coercion.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's not even that extreme, you know, like sometimes teenagers or you know younger even preteens, kids who then start kind of going outside the home without parent supervision like sometimes they won't even do the extreme things but I don't care I want my daughter to be open with me regardless I don't want to use fear and control even if I feel like I have a kid that would never do such a thing Right. I because you might think your kid and you might know, you, you might actually know that your kid does not have that kind of temperament. I, I know lots of my friends growing up, di- they'd never messed with anything. You know, they just were very, they're just kind of chill. They play video games or whatever. And you might have a kid like that, that just doesn't have interest mm-hmm. in, or, or friend groups like that, or, you know, the opportunity. Or doesn't
0: want to. Whatever. Doesn't want to push the edges. Not every kid pushes the edges. Not every kid wants to push the edges. edges.
1: Not every kid is interested. They're, you know, they might. That's not where their priorities are. Whatever. Um, I was a kid like you. I did all sorts of boundary pushing and experimentation and going out Mm -hmm. late at my friend's house, but quote unquote and stuff like that. I met my husband sneaking out of my bedroom window. That's how I met my husband, uh, as a teenager sneaking out. You know. Yeah. So there you go. Um, my parents never knew until like, I think we were together like 10 years or something. So (laughs) that's the type of stuff. Yeah. They
0: didn't know you were together for, for 10 years. No, they didn't know
1: I met him sneaking out. I don't think for years years. I don't know if it was 10 years. It might've been like seven, but it was a long time. Like I didn't tell them how we met. I said, we met through a friend of a friend, which is true, but I snuck out at like one in the morning to meet my husband, um, with, with a friend, like they were driving in a car and I met them. So, you might not have a kid that wants to sneak out or try drugs or has friends that, you know, do any of that sort of stuff. You might have a very different situation. Um, and I might too, Aliyah, my daughter might never want to engage with stuff like that, but I don't care. I still want her to be open with me, to feel safe with me. Even if she's a kid who just has like interests that are very like wholesome (laughs) and she's just hanging out at home or doing super age appropriate things. I still don't want to use fear to control her I still don't want to try to go for obedience because I'd rather go for a relationship even if I don't suspect anything to worry about mm-hmm. you know
0: our children actually are having a deep inner life and we would like to be part of that it's not yeah. just a, I want them to be well behaved so they'll be safe and by the way it doesn't keep them safe yes it children keeping their worlds from their parents doesn't keep them safe it's just the opposite but parents excuse for control and coercion is i'm keeping my child safe that that is usually what people say Mm -hmm. and the first thing parents ask when you tell them you're non-coercive is how are you going to keep them safe
1: yeah yes because even at the very basic level right when you tell a one-year-old to not eat the stuff off the floor as soon as you turn your back you know they will so this is right
0: so you want them to use their own inner Guidance Guidance. system to make decisions. And that's from the
1: beginning to the end. Right. Yes. That's why when we're setting our own boundaries and stuff, we're always going to the exploration part and the collaboration part so that we can guide them to a decision together. Right. Instead of just fearing, like shaming them to instill the fear of God into them so that they don't even ever try. Like that's, I said no and no means no. Well, that's not the goal because it closes the chapter. And we want to keep it open. Let me keep it open.
0: I do have some clients who were the good girl or the good boy or the good child who were well-behaved and polite and did, and did follow all the rules and, and, and we're people pleasers, deep, deep people pleasers. Yeah. And their lives exploded into hell as they became yeah. adults. It did not go well. It doesn't go well. Yeah. It's not a good game plan. It doesn't create close relationships with real intimacy. It doesn't create self-trust, self-love. It doesn't, it doesn't uh support risk taking. Right. Uh adventure. Self expression?
1: Yes. These are great points. I am thinking of several of my young adult clients. None of them are risk takers. All of them are high achievers and, quote unquote, like well behaved. They've all have really strived their whole lives to meet the parents' values, right? Fulfill the parents' wants for them. So, like going to particular universities or choosing particular programs or choosing particular jobs with their mother's wishes and wants and desires in mind, the mother figure in in these clients that I'm thinking of right now has always pushed them in a specific way. And they are in deep distress. Really? Yes. They are their gold standard in their parents. eye. their internal um, distress is like, like the, the, you know, as their therapist, I can tell you that they are deeply suffering and struggling in a ton of different ways. Um,
0: that's fascinating. I yeah. find that really fascinating.
1: Yeah. They're really struggling to, I guess, follow their internal compass, right? Like they feel like they don't have a sense of self and they're really not sure like who they are. They feel very lost. If you have parent who loves you conditionally, yeah,
0: you have to spend all of your time trying mm-hmm. to get their approval and love. And you have to give up your own connection with yourself for that that's what i was saying at the very beginning you have to focus on survival first yes so then meet their needs you're not you don't know who you are by the time you get to a certain age because you spent all your time trying to get the love and and people do spend their entire lives just playing that out Mm -hmm. it's not like most people turn the corner and then they realize they gave it all to their parents no they spend the rest of their life trying to get their parents love through other people or acting out acting out
1: again have you seen the show couples therapy if any of our listeners have seen it she's in new york city and she's got couples of all different backgrounds contexts like uh people who are polyamorous straight gay Uh, that, like there's a whole bunch of different types of relationships and all of her work is centered around reenactment um of childhood. Wow. Yeah. So if, that if our is listeners
0: so cool,
1: you need to watch it and let me know what you think. But if our listeners watch it, that's what you'll see um kind of right off the bat is she very quickly goes into, well, tell me about your childhood. And yeah. then the couples, what what where they get the most insight is from the exploration of how they're reenacting those patterns inside of their uh you know, intimate partnerships. And that's what I'm seeing with my children, like kid clients, my, well, my young adult clients, they're doing that in all other aspects of their life. Like they haven't been able to find themselves and figure out their true values because they've been working to please, um, to get that love. And they have not been able to find themselves And that's what I mean when I say reenactment, like couples therapy is a really great way to sort of see what that looks like. It's really cool.
0: That is what that is like a big aspect of the therapy work that I do with my clients is seeing how they're replaying everything in their lives. That is what we do. And we take that apart. And, And that's what inner child work is. You finally give your child the things that your child has been trying to get from everyone else and that takes a long time. It really does take a long time. It's a long process. Yeah. That's what we're trying to interrupt with our children. That's in right. In real interrupt. time, in yeah. real time, we're trying to um, not have our children have to focus on pleasing and avoiding and, con- you know, protecting themselves against us so that they can actually put their focus on developing themselves
1: yeah. and finding-
0: it, it So much work for the parent because none of us were raised that way. We have to tolerate them doing things that we don't want to approve of. We, yeah. we have to tolerate them failing and trying things and having Starbucks or lots and lots of candy or being rude or not having good play dates or not focusing well or not, you know, we have to tolerate them having a fucking process Mm -hmm. for children to have a process just like adults have they get to fail and try and and try bad habits for a long time and you know they they are allowed to just because they have no power and they were born to us doesn't mean they don't get to have a process why do they have to suddenly live perfect lives what the fuck is that i hate that and try, and I, I'm, I'm working so hard to not have my kid do what makes me comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Working so, so hard. I don't think anyone has ever worked as hard as I have been working. Oh no, that's not true. I know that's not true, but it feels that way. I'm mean, gonna have to work tirelessly. Yeah. If I as a parent overpower my child, how is that going to be useful training for her to stand up for people who are marginalized? I, I don't see how that's like a, a like a good way to go. Yeah. If I if I'm silencing, crushing, shaming rejecting my child's voice needs wants opinions impulses um personality that i don't feel like that's going to foster someone who's going to feel empowered to create change and to stand up and have a voice now i i mean i just don't think that's i mean obviously people do i was crushed and i have a voice mm-hmm. i found But I also had to be in therapy for 30 fucking years. 30 Mm -hmm. fucking years.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and also, I feel like I have a voice, but it's always been shamed. So I hesitate to use it.
0: Yeah. But this is just an intellectual idea because it really has to do with... Parents might understand what we're saying, but you still have to work on all your reactivity with your child and that's your work they might be like yeah okay i see what you're saying you know like like you know the idea that if you want to create a kind child you have to be kind like that's how that works you can't expect your child to become kind if you bully your child Mm -hmm. um but people don't even see what they people don't even People just think they're being loving when they set all these limits with their child. That's the thing. They'll say, I'm just giving my opinion. I'm actually guiding my child. I'm telling them that's not attractive. People won't like that about you. you know." Like, yeah. People think that their opinions are actually loving for their children. And that's what's so tricky. That's what's that's so tricky. Thing. When you get into the denial of parents, when you get into the self-righteousness of parents, it's like nothing I've ever fucking seen. Everyone agrees that oppressing children is just absolutely fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because when parents talk to me in session, they're, it it's always goes back to their fear. If they don't, then something really terrible will happen, which is very hard to argue with. Yes, of course I understand yes. your fear. I have them too.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's... It's the method, but that's the thing. That's what we're trying to break down. Over- overpowering your child... To get them, to keep them safe is not a long-term, it doesn't work long-term. It doesn't work short-term. It just doesn't work. Yeah. That's the point. That's what we're trying to show, Kara. We're trying to show that uh, oppressing your children doesn't work. It's not in their best interest. It's not in your best interest. It's not in the best interest of your long-term relationship. It's not in the best interest of their their future.
1: Yeah. If somebody's scratching the surface with this, yeah. if anything, they can start by thinking about the effectiveness of the approach of control, right? That's how yes. I got into this actually, because I was using behavior, uh, behaviorist approaches, right? Conditioning and stuff in all my practices before mm-hmm. I got over here. <laughs> it took a long time, um, but I realized after doing all of this reading and research and stuff, Um, I realized, oh yeah, it's actually control actually isn't even effective because I experienced it as a teacher. Like I was, I was such a loving teacher. Like I was really kind, I had great relationships with my students, but then I would try to control like certain students or whatever, um, as their teacher and manage my class and it wouldn't work for them for the, especially those kids that needed much more from me, much, much more of a different approach from me, a connected approach instead of an authoritative approach. Um, those students who just like, didn't do well with, with authority. Those were the Mm -hmm. students where I was like, oh, fucking hell, this doesn't even work. I'm so good at classroom management, though. And I'm also really friendly. What's going on? I was so confused. So I did a deep dive into all just all the literature I could find on actual connection inside of Mm -hmm. relationships. And Mm -hmm. I was becoming a therapist, too, in my own study. So it just all Mm -hmm. went hand in hand. And I really came to this realization of, oh, yeah, it doesn't work. Mm Hmm. So if people are interested in non-coercion, but they have no fucking idea how to, or or what's the point, or maybe they're like, well, what, what if I just kind of control them when they're a toddler, or maybe I need to control them when they're a toddler in these specific ways, maybe they can start thinking about how, well, it actually just doesn't work. It's just not effective. Like the research Mm -hmm. on no, you know, the word no, like there's a lot of research on positive opposites. So telling kids. Well, you know,
0: that really brings me, brings me to a little story of my, I I run these support groups for parents and we were doing our closing session. And I went around and asked everyone, has something changed for you? What has changed for you over the six weeks of the support group around non-coercive conscious parenting? Like what has changed for you? And one parent said, he has little kids, very little kids. He said, I'm starting to question all my impulses. Mm -hmm. i say you need to put your coat on and then i they don't want to and then i stop and i say why does my kid need to put her coat on let's really look at that and he's starting to do that with everything that's fucking amazing that made me so happy when he said that he started i said right question your question yourself question yourself just start there Mm -hmm. all that start to question the have to's and look at what it's doing to your relationship with your child let's just that's just like that's the beginning the beginning is question yourself question your have to's Mm -hmm. i think it's ultimately though about their essence trying to preserve their essence if you make them wrong at any turn that's the that's the beginning of separation
1: hmm and the big says that you know that it doesn't feel good to oppress right that's that's something actually I probably should use when people ask me why I do that because it doesn't feel good to oppress mm. yeah it
0: doesn't feel good to yeah. overpower to overpower our children it doesn't feel good yeah But, you know, to some parents, Kara, it feels really good to control their kids. They think it feels really good on a wounded level where you don't have to face any of your own stuff. All you have to do is control your kid. That would feel superficially good. Like, for example, timeouts work, punishments work, consequences work. Everybody says that. No, but it works. Oh, yes, it's short term does work. Mm -hmm. It does work. Your child will do what you say because they have no power and you're taking all this stuff away from them love connection all kinds of things it will work quote-unquote work it just you just won't be close with your child that's all ultimately you won't be
1: yeah it's just really I will say it's really 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 hard when you are a parent of especially a young child and you're doing things with them that people expect basic behavior um, or basic parent responses to Mm you know they like your kid like what I don't know, just like your kid's three or something and you want to take them to a restaurant. Well, people will lose their shit if you take your kid to a restaurant and don't like tell them, don't touch that, don't put the water on the table, you know, don't put your feet up there, be quiet, you know. Mm -hmm. People will lose their shit because Mm -hmm. their experience in the restaurant is obviously going to be affected by like a kid Mm -hmm. that's acting like a three-year-old. So Mm -hmm. I understand parents really struggling with non-coercion and feeling like they can't leave the house.
0: Well, what are, what are your thoughts about that? What do you do? Your child's almost two,
1: right? Yeah, she'll be two in May. Well, we still leave the house and we still go to brunch. We went to brunch on Saturday and she put her feet up on the table. She wanted to climb all over me. So I said, do you want to sit in the big chair next to me? So she sat in the big chair next to me. She was happy as a clam. Um, she started yelling at one point because I, Sanjay made the critical error of saying that we, the pancakes were on the way. Of course they weren't ready yet. So that was very upsetting to her. Uh And I, what did I say to her? I said, Oh, I wonder if we can be quiet like mice. And she was like, and we just became mice for a bit and then she got her pancakes and then I gave her two forks so she could have one and I could have the other and we were doing the two fork circus it was just a lot of like playing with her instead of telling her no i was just basically redirecting her the whole time and connecting with her in a playful way to mm. instead of instead of like like telling her don't do that or don't do this or don't put your feet up like i took off her shoes um I don't know. I have
0: to say redirecting is also a tricky word. It's a fine word. Yeah. But people also do it all the time as a way to control. If I look over here, do you want a cookie?
1: Ugh, you know, like yeah, they don't want to be to present. Squash their feelings. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So true.
0: I love this example because uh, you were just staying really engaged.
1: I was, just and find- I was just connecting with her the whole time with the things that she did want to be doing. Like I wasn't shaming her for yelling and saying like, hey, don't yell. We can't yell in a restaurant. I just said like, oh, could be mice, and we could go squeak. And we just did that. Like it was just a playful, like, I, it, it yeah, the word I want to say is redirect, but obviously you're right. It's, you have to be careful with redirection. You have to be intentional with redirection. It's like setting a boundary. You have to be very intentional. You have to make sure you're yeah. collaborating. Like that's what we're talking about here in this yeah. space. It's um, It's not a tool that I would use if she were, Crying because I had or her dad had to go to work, for example. So like sometimes Sunday leaves for work and she gets upset and I I validate that I don't redirect and say Oh look over here have a cookie I I just let her she is sad because he has to go to work and she's allowed to be sad about that. So right, you're right. Like you have to just have to be careful with the way we talk about stuff.
0: And also there's a whole world of of learning about you can look into about why we don't want to say no all the time because. If once you start with that, you're just doing it all day long and your child is just hearing no to all their impulses and it's bad for their nervous systems. Yeah, It's bad for your connection. So it's kind of like instead of focusing on what you can do, what you can focus on, uh, you're focusing on the on what they shouldn't be doing and it creates a lot of shame because they want to touch this and they want to get into that and now they're wrong. They're wrong yeah. for it. And it just, it just creates a real block in their bodies. It's not good for their bodies. It's not good for you, for you either. But so I know that people will be, I will, I'm too busy to engage. I There's no way I can be engaging with my child all the time. But I think that's what I was trying to explain during this whole thing is that when you invest in a lot of yes and time and connection, your child has a lot more bandwidth Because they've been filled up with the connection. They have a lot more patience and a lot more ability to flow and stretch because they know they're going to get their needs met.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're not just hearing no all the time.
0: Right. Which creates a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And also if you have a little, little kid, you need to, you need to baby proof your house. So you don't have to say no all day. That's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. That's right. Like if you don't want your kids hands in the toilet, then put a lock there
0: if you don't want them going up the stairs, you got to get a thing in front of the stairs. You just, you have to make it so they can have freedom, mm-hmm. so they can have flow, so they can play and not feel scared of your voice all day long.
1: Well, see, that's the other thing, too. When people will say, well, I guess I just can't take my kid to restaurants then because they're not going to act like uh, socially acceptable or whatever at a restaurant. Right. People might say. Mm-hmm. That.
0: Well, I did at some point have to stop taking my kids to parties.
1: Exactly. I was going to say that. Like, if that's just, you're finding it impossible to not say no and 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 do all that stuff. And that doesn't feel good. Like if you're here listening and you're like resonating with this and you're saying like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Well, I guess I can't take my kid to a restaurant then. Then maybe not. Great. It's too much work for you. Like we won't do that every weekend because it just feels sometimes really exhausting and I don't have it in me.
0: Right. Exactly. Had it in me
1: on Sunday. So we did it, but it's, um, it's not like we can do that all the time because restaurants are not appropriate for young children, unless they have like a big play place or something They're, you know, take them to McDonald's maybe, or something like that, where there's like some place for them to go. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to do is like, just make sure that I bring her to experiences that she can be herself at. Right. But I do find it hard when people want her to be, uh, well-behaved when we're just trying to get a coffee you know if i i'm not even sitting in like i i find that stressful i find it like i'm very aware that my kid might yell while we're waiting in line because waiting is hard for her mm. um and i find that very stressful and i empathize with parents who s- feel like they can't go anywhere because i see that on reddit um and i i relate to that experience that's how i feel a lot of the time like, i can't bring my kid anywhere because she won't even you know s- s- sit in her stroller for 10 minutes um, I, I, Well, my
0: son was not well behaved at all yeah. for many years, and it was very hard, and it was triggering, it was embarrassing, it was stressful, and because I put in the work, she's now deeply sensitive to she she's now deeply sensitive to other people's feelings. She, yeah. she wasn't for a long time because she was traumatized because she was developmentally not needing to, you know, she wasn't supposed to. Yeah. There is a bunch of years where they're, they're they they're. The center of their own focus, and that's developmentally appropriate. And it's a very hard time for parents to get that, you know. But now she is,
1: and that's what I'm looking forward. I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm co- I'm conscious to remain present inside of the young years, but I also want to say to parents that if you're looking forward to getting there, and you're like me with a young young child, and you're trying to do non coercion, and you feel fucking exhausted and sleep deprived, and like overwhelmed, then I am also you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still yeah, doing it as best as I can and I fail all the time and I cry a lot and yet we're in it together
0: right and you're putting it in you're you're you're, you're on the front end this is the front end when you put in all the hard work um on yourself yeah. you're, you're having hard work inside of yourself that's what the hard work is mm-hmm. people think it's the children that make it so hard but it's really whatever all the shit they're triggering in us Yes. And and also how that interfaces with the world. It's a really tough world. It's a really tough world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a not a kid-friendly world at all. It's not yeah. a parent-friendly world. It's not a mom-friendly world. It's, not, it's just like a, it's a capitalistic shit show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say the answer to that, I don't believe, is to control your kids so that they then fit into that world in a way that... Mm-hmm makes it easier for everybody else that's just my perspective i don't want to love that will you say that again i just don't think the answer to the fact that we don't live in a kid-friendly world that we live in like a very childist world the answer to that i don't believe is to control my kids so that it's easier for those around her mm-hmm. right right. and what who who do we need for the
0: future that's coming in terms of our children yeah. We don't even know. We literally don't even know what's going to be needed. And we want to get the fuck out of the way so that they can do what they came here to do, which we don't know what that is. Yep.
1: This has been Your Kids Don't Suck. You can find me, Kara Tedstone, at www.kara and on Instagram at Kara Tedstone Therapy. On my website, you'll find links to recommended readings and a link to my Reparenting with Mindfulness workbook, available now on Amazon.
0: You can find me, Rathia Lee, at www.rathia.com. That's R-Y-T-H-E-A.com. There you'll find published books, articles, and music, and parenting videos. Also, I'm on TikTok at Lee on Instagram at Ruthia Lee. You can book parent mentoring sessions with me through my website. And also I have an advice from a loving bitch YouTube show that helps people heal self-hatred and that's Rathea.com slash advice. It is important and essential to put our voices, Rathea and Kara, in a context We are two white, cisgendered, straight, middle-class women living with financial and societal privilege. Because of this, our perspectives are limited and do not reflect the realities of all of our listeners. This podcast will feature guests with expertise around conscious parenting who differ in race, class, abilities, sexual orientation, and histories from us to broaden the conversation and reflect the lives of as many people as possible. 25% of the proceeds of this podcast will go to creators of color who have been mentors and influences on our work and in our growth as parents.
1: If you like our show, please subscribe and stay tuned for more conscious parenting advice and insights. And check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash suck to donate and connect with us.